Now, an hour of clarity for exhausted people of our nation mired in toxic partisanship. Left versus right, us versus them. While we pay to keep our politicians fighting, how do we the people rise up and solve the great challenges of our time? We do it by embracing freedom and liberty. There may be no such thing as a free lunch, but this hour is as close as it gets. Welcome to A Free Solution. All right, welcome to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson-Yosher Day. Thank you so much for joining us here on this wonderful Wednesday afternoon. We're live here on WISL until 2 p.m. Give us a call if you want to participate in the show, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Or we're streaming online to A Free Solution Facebook page, Free Solution YouTube channel, the Kevin Wilson page or the Kevin Wilson Twitter, wherever you're listening today. Appreciate y'all being here. Appreciate y'all listening. Leave your comments there if you have stuff to say. And on the last, uh, last uh, show that we did, the Mon- Monday show, uh, certainly a bunch of folks had uh, opinions on what was going on on Twitter and the files of that. And I did, t- I, I did say that I would give uh, any update, like if things change in terms of like the level of government involvement or whether or not the story evolved, you know, I, I'd give some updates on that, right? Because uh, there's, there's part of me that said, well, Okay, we uh, we have something that doesn't really tell us a lot more about what they did. It's it's continues to be the same problem that it was, uh, but there is an update to that. So we're we're going to talk about that, and then uh, later on the show we'll talk about the uh, the rail workers and whether or not Congress should have forced a deal there or let uh, the different parties work it out on their own. Uh, so we'll talk to that st- about that stuff. But again, if you want to weigh in on either of these topics or anything else for that matter, give us a call five eight five three four six three thousand. That's five eight five three four six three thousand. And, uh, you know, I, so I talked about the Twitter stuff yesterday, gave, gave the whole update on that. You know, there's all these Twitter files that got released. Most of it was, again, again, same level of concerning that, that, that we had before. But new stuff came out last, well, it was like, a, I don't know, was, uh, last evening, right, end of the day. Um, Matt Tybee had posted, a, a, you know, a bunch of files about this, and then he posted an update. And, and again, one of the strange things about uh, this whole thing was that it was released to two journalists, uh, Matt Tybee and, and Barry Weiss, uh, who was going to do like a, a like a longer Substack thing on it. And Matt Tybee said that there's a bunch of conditions related to the release of these files, right? So again, a little bit strange. CEO releases a bunch of these files, going to do that. Uh, in in that process, it, it went through the Twitter deputy counsel guy named um, Jim Baker, who is a formal for, former FBI general counsel. Uh, he ended up getting fired over this. Elon Musk fired the guy over it um, because he was vetting the first batch of Twitter files that went out, with and apparently without the knowledge of new management. Now, a couple of strange things about this. One is you know you're like okay, well why? Why was this person vetting the files? Should they have been vetting the files? Why wouldn't management know about this? And is it appropriate, right? And does the fact that Jim Baker used to work for the FBI uh, matter in this situation? And so, so let's break all those questions down, right? So, what uh, you know, what should should new management have known about this? Well, yeah, probably. Uh, they they probably should have known about this. Uh, should have uh, understood what was going to happen, and should some member of like general counsel for Twitter have reviewed files before they were released. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, they, that actually kind of makes sense, right? Like there, there should be some uh, vetting of those files to, <clears throat> to help, uh, to, to make sure that they aren't releasing any information that's proprietary or, um, 
you know, uh, private in some way, like inappropriate to share uh, in a way that would be unrelated to like the public interest and how uh, the company came to a decision on censoring the New York Post story related to Hunter Biden's laptop, right? So like that that stuff is in the public interest. The stuff that's in the public interest is like what requests were made and when and by who. Were they part of the government? Were they part of campaigns that were likely to be elected to the government? Uh, what, what is that? You know, what, what's going on with, with all those? Um, but again, it does make sense for a lawyer to look over it, but a lawyer should have been looking over it not necessarily Jim Baker, but any lawyer should have been looking over it who didn't have an interest in uh, – like a personal interest in the story itself, not a conflict of interest in this story to, uh, because if if that lawyer had some incentive because they were involved in the decision-making around uh, prohibiting posts about the New York Post story, then obviously that conflict of interest should preclude them from participating in deciding what is or isn't appropriate, right? So you get a neutral third party, someone who can look at this, look at it objectively and figure out, you know, is there anything in here that like would create some legal liability for Twitter itself in a way that you'd need? So I, that, that all that, I, I get. I get doing that generally. Jim Baker doing it, his relationship to the FBI, his... Uh, is interesting, like, you know, he's been involved in some other stuff, too, with, uh, with I guess, uh, the, the Steele dossier stuff and uh, the, the server stuff. Um, he uh, resigned in 2018 from the FBI, I guess, uh, after an investigation into to some leaks. So, yeah, they – yeah, it's a little bit weird for him to have done that. It's a little bit weird for management not to have uh, – not not to have uh, known that this was happening, right? Like again, that that kind of speaks to the management of Twitter a little bit, right? And yeah, so this is all very strange. Okay, so you have all this stuff going on. Now Elon Musk knows about it. He was he was the one who like talking about how he was going to reveal the whole thing. Like I don't know how he wasn't talking to the journalist that he presumably hand selected to release this news about the conditions under which these files would be released and who would review them and when, et cetera, right? Something about this is very strange, both from, like, who was reviewing it and and whether or not Elon Musk knew this. This kind of sets off red flags in my mind being like, well, what actually happened with this? This is is odd. Why would this conflict of interest not have been noticed? And and Sam uh, on YouTube says, you know, why didn't Jim Baker say he had a conflict of interest and turn it back to his supervisors and that standard for pretty much every corporation? Yeah, and again, if he declared that he didn't have a conflict of interest and there was one, then yeah, that's that's a big deal, right? Like lawyers are supposed to to be forthright about that stuff, and there ought to be other people at the company who should realize that and would be able to call it out. Why didn't that happen? That's it's such an odd thing. I don't know. Again, it's why it's this is like an orchestrated PR move and it was botched again. That's that's the strange part of me. It's like it's this is a planned thing by Elon. How would he how would he not know that that was part of it? Is this I don't know, is this stage two? I, I don't know. This, this is weird. And um, but anyway, he, he's Jim Baker's fired. He, he was let go uh, because the, he was uh, censoring the information. We'll see if more stuff comes out. Uh, Matt Tybee and Barry Weiss are, are promising to to release more of the uh, files. Uh, you know, I saw something today talking about how Jack Dorsey wanted more of the files released. Uh, hey, great, 
think more transparency is a good thing. Release all the stuff. And again, the, the thing that I, the two things that I want to know, right, is, is one, uh, what members of the government and politicians and their staffs, et cetera, were, were asking for stuff to get taken down. Was the stuff that they were asking to have taken down like appropriate for that? Right? Did it did they actually violate Twitter's terms of service? This you know the whole kind of ex post facto justification for oh this this might be hacked material, so we're gonna you know shut this down. It it doesn't really hold water, and and again they they got rightly criticized for for that after you know having shut down the New York Post account, shut down the story, prevented people from posting them, and prevented uh you know members of the Trump administration from being able to access their Twitter accounts from sharing uh this uh from from accessing the Twitter Twitter accounts for sharing the story. That's all that's all a big deal, right? That that kind of matters and it's it's worthy of criticism, but the the extent to which government was directly involved in the story uh and or continues to be involved in the story needs to come to light because if the government is involved in pressuring uh, people, if if, the, if former members of the government are acting uh, on behalf of or in the interest of uh, suppressing information that would be damaging to uh, the Biden administration, Trump, the the FBI generally, whatever, right? Like that matters. Uh, whether or not there is any coercion or threats made to social media companies directly or indirectly related to suppressing specific information. I'm less concerned with, hey, there might be hacked material put out. You know, that's a general warning. Uh, you should, you should be careful about, you know, allowing that stuff. Okay, cool. They can issue warnings all they want. It's incumbent upon the social media companies to decide how to act, and are they acting essentially under duress uh, and threat of increased regulation, scrutiny, uh, antitrust action, which is always nonsense. Are they being coerced into removing information by the state? Because that is different than individuals taking it upon themselves to remove information they don't like within the scope of their terms of service. Worthy of criticism, but different than a First Amendment violation. And uh, and Sam says, I also wonder why Jack is an armchair quarterbacking this. The CEO couldn't have done this too, public or private, if the government violated uh, 1A, he should have come forward uh, on his watch. And, and I'm curious about that, too, because apparently Jack wasn't involved in those initial discussions, right? He wasn't involved in the initial conversation. As soon as he found out that, like, some, you know, lower-level folks had made this decision that had a pretty significant impact uh, on politics or could have, then he intervened and said, no, no, we need to, to undo this and we need to allow this to, to, to go out and the discussion to proceed. What happened? What happened there? And if there was anything weird going on, he could have said something. Was there? Is there nothing there, or what else? What else is going on? Again, all of this is just, it's just. There's enough weirdness about how everyone's acting in this that, like, it's just. I don't know. It, it just it doesn't seem quite right in a way I can't figure out. And I don't want to jump to any conclusions about why that is. I want to see what the evidence is and what's actually happening here. And and so for that to happen, we're going to need a little bit more transparency. Uh, so I know we're running out of time on this segment, but again, we're, we're, we're live on, on Facebook, YouTube, etc. Leave your comments or give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. If you have any questions about this, we'll get to them next segment. Otherwise, we are moving on to a new topic. We'll be back here on A Free Solution in just a few minutes. Talk to you soon.
Your business relies on computers and technology to operate. Slow, unreliable networks and servers can cause unplanned downtime and affect your bottom line. The experts at Simple Tech Innovations are here to help. Their preventative maintenance program ensures that your computers and network are kept up to date and monitored for any issues, keeping your business running smoothly. They also help clients achieve HIPAA, PCI, and New York State cybersecurity compliance to keep your network safe and secure. Whenever your business IT needs are, Simple Tech Innovations should be your first call. They've won the best in Rochester eight years in a row and have an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating. Call them today for a free consultation at 585-200-3182. That's 585-200-3182. Simple Tech Innovations. Hey, this is Kevin Wilson, host of A Free Solution. You ever need a tool for just one project, but didn't want to spend the cash for something you'd use just once or twice? Well, there's a new tool library in Rochester where you can borrow just the thing you need instead of buying a new one. It's called the Tool Shed from the Southeast Area Coalition, and membership starts at just $25 a year. Use it for home projects or to support your business. Learn more and become a member at seektoolshed.org. That's S-E-A-C toolshed.org. Hello there, this is Nat King Cole wishing you all a happy and a Merry Christmas. The joy of living is in the giving. So let's give lots of toys for tots. Since 1947, the United States Marine Corps has been helping Santa fill his sleigh, making happier holidays for deserving children right in your community. Go to toysfortots.org and learn how you can make a difference. A free solution on the WYSL stations. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your today. Thanks again for joining us here on this wonderful Wednesday afternoon. We're live on WYSL until 2 p.m. Give us a call if you want to participate in the show, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Or leave your comments online, Free Solution Facebook page, Free Solution YouTube channel, Kevin Wilson page, or Kevin Wilson Twitter, wherever you listen today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining the conversation. And it does sound like we have a caller on the line, uh, Dave from Brockport. Dave, welcome to A Free Solution. Hey, there you go. Yeah, I'm I'm on board with you. It seems a little weird, all the uh, the Twitter dump, but I'm trying to envision in my mind. Okay, as we age, we all change a little bit, and you know we see more stuff, uh, whatever. But so Elon's a busy guy, and mm-hmm. let's say this is just what I'm feeling from him, that he's just overwhelmed. He can't believe what's going on. So he's got a couple of guys he's familiar with. Maybe he doesn't even know him that well. And just gives them, you know, for lack of a better term, boxes or thumb drives of stuff. Here, tell the public what's been going on. Just because, no matter his political leanings, I think he's got an intrinsic sense of fairness. And just by his endeavors and business, wants to make the world a better place. And right, wrong, left, right, whatever. He just wants to see it opened up so people know what was going on. Yeah. I mean, ge- generally, I think you're right. It's just, again, strange how it was managed. It seemed like he was directly involved in getting this information to a few reporters. And so, like, why wasn't there any, like, follow-up to say, like, hey, some of this stuff seems a little bit strange. We didn't know what was being vetted. Like, he, so he had to have been passing that information through to someone else in management to then give to uh, the reporters. And it's interesting now that, it's, again, it's coming out a few days after the initial story dropped. But well, you're right. He is a busy guy. Uh, imagine um, – I'm not a sports guy, but so let's say you're a Bills fan and you uh, 
walk in, you just bought the Patriots. And you walk in with your Bills jersey on, and I'm taking over the New England Patriots. Do you think you're going to have a lot of cooperation with that office? <laughs> yeah, they're you know, going to they're be skeptical of that. <laughs> yeah, I think the employees there were just so far gone. It was such ingrained in the corporate culture that when all this came about, he didn't know who he could trust, and then there was no channels left after he fired as many people as he did. That's true. I mean, again, there's there's a lot of stuff that's that's happening over there, and a lot of like, I mean, it, 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 Twitter is a big, complicated tech company, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens and who's left to manage, and you know whether or not we're going to start seeing more problems with Twitter over time too. And I don't know. I I agree with you on that. He he probably wants transparency. All right, he wants to to see this thing through. He he feels like this is an injustice, and, it, and it, it's an important thing to talk about. Okay, cool. Well, if we're going to do that, then like let's put out everything that we can. I get that it needs to be vetted by a lawyer, uh, like in some way, right? Like, is there anything that's going to be a problem for us as a company? But do as much as possible to make the the public confident that they're not just acting on behalf of the government. And I think that's the least they can do. Yeah, that, that's the the strange part is how much were they in bed with the government and vice versa. Because that is obviously a constitutional violation of mammoth proportions. <laughs> exactly. You know that that's the big story to me. Is it's like we we know Twitter. It, they, they're a private company. They can set some terms of service that we might not agree with. Okay, fine. Right. They they're able to do that stuff. But it is a totally different matter for the government to use them to push their point of view or to suppress points of view that are against whoever's in power at this moment. That That's so much more of a bigger problem, and, and that's what we need to get to the bottom of here. All right. Well, I just needed to chime in on that because I'm on board with it. It's, everything seems a little weird, but uh, every day I wake up lately, it seems the world's upside down, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it sure is sometimes. Well, Dave, I, I appreciate the call. Thanks for calling in. And, uh, folks, if anyone else wants to call in, weigh in on this topic or any of the other stuff we're going to talk about this hour, give us a call, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Uh, and, again, the, the, the Twitter thing, I, I think we're going to learn. We're going to continue to learn more information, right? We'll see what comes out on, like, the, the uh, Barry Weiss uh, substack is where I think it's going to come out. We'll, we'll see what comes out there. If there is more information, more transparency, you know, what the conditions of their, you know, releasing this information was. I, I think it's important – from you know a transparency perspective to understand <clears throat> what were the conditions that the journalists had to agree to for this right that's an uh, an interesting thing and and who set those conditions was it was again was it jim baker was it um was it elon who you know that's uh it's another important question and it's and you know i'll just, just add one more thing to this and i know that like Twitter doesn't have a monopoly on speech. Neither does Facebook. Neither any of these social media companies. Like you can always go somewhere else. You, you can always talk to other folks. But the the culture of free speech does matter, and the government getting involved in interfering with the direct communications uh, and and uh, of people does matter, right? It's we're nowhere close to what they have in authoritarian countries. Like not not anywhere close to what happens in like China, where they have closed social media systems where the government can see and censor anything that they want, right? And, and we can see what that looks like and how tough it is for people to get around it. And you contrast that with uh, a place like Russia where in the lead-up to the invasion and in even a, a little while afterwards, Twitter was still active over there. Uh, Facebook was still active over there. And people were able to share information that ran contrary to the official government line. 
And until they, they started shutting that down and people had to go through you know VPNs and find other ways of communicating, it was an important way for people to get to what the actual truth of those situations are. It's an important way for the people of Russia to get to the actual truth of how is the war going? What's going on in Ukraine? What is the actual situation related to like Russia's interest in Ukraine and how many people are being conscripted and what's happening to those people once they get there? All that information is being suppressed over there if you go through the official channels. Facebook and Twitter weren't on board with censoring information there, as they shouldn't be. And in China, hard to operate legally for any of these companies, and that's why China created their own ecosystem to be able to tightly control information. I, uh, Unlike I know many conservative and libertarians who are, who are worried that that is what has happened with Twitter and Facebook, we're not quite there yet. We could get there. Like right now we have we had a massive amount of, of freely exchangeable information. There's There's – cases along the edges where you know we may disagree with how they they employ that there's the strange stuff with the, the Wuhan lab stuff the strange stuff with the, the Hunter Biden story but it is along the edges it's the unusual cases that stand out for us and those are the uh, the canaries in the coal mines for us though right again if, they, if the government gets involved with controlling and suppressing that information do they build the infrastructure and the negative incentives for these companies to be more proactive in shutting down information that the government doesn't like because the government has that threat, that stick, whatever, to say, no, if you don't do this, we're going to bring action against you. That's that's the line that we have to know that we can't cross. And uh, once that happens, there needs to be a lot of alternatives available. And there, there already are, but there, there needs to be more alternatives to when these other companies come up, they're not going to end up in the same situation moving forward that the government can't say, well, you know, do this or else. And as soon as those other communication channels are shut down, then, then we're in real trouble. We can't, we can't discuss things uh, openly, freely, and without threat of violence from the state. So anyway, that, that that's my that's my whole thing on that. Now I'll, I'll kind of give that a rest now. And, and, and I only have a, a, a few more minutes before break, but just to, to introduce the next topic is uh, – you might have seen this going on in the background, right? There is a, a labor dispute happening related to rail workers, and uh, I want to talk, spend a few minutes talking about that because it, it's interesting. And I'll just – I'll introduce it by saying like, hey, there, there are some – what seem like to me, just again, reading what I could about this topic, it does seem to me that there are some legitimate grievances that rail workers had. They – disagree about things that like any of us might disagree we might disagree with pay we might disagree with uh the number of uh, PT, uh amount of pto that we have conditions etc right you know what what are the conditions under which you want to engage in your job and i, I can understand all that and so there's there's like 12 different unions that negotiate on behalf of these these various types of rail workers and there is enough disagreement at one point to start to build to discussion of like a strike right which if you don't know like rail is is still a huge huge part of uh infrastructure in the united states a huge part of like how we get uh goods and supplies and all this stuff uh, i think uh, several of the the media outlets i read about this said that a strike would would cost the economy like two billion dollars a day so big deal right so if if workers you know acted collectively went on strike it would be 
painful, not just for the, the, the companies associated with this, but for the economy generally. And so regardless of the legitimacy of their grievances, the government felt the need to intervene. This isn't the first time that the, the government has done this. You know, we you can look at other instances like the uh, Ronald Reagan getting uh, involved with uh, the the flight flight control workers um, and and all that, right? So it, in this case, you know, they they cited like, okay, there's the, there's a commerce clause uh, angle to this. The government can and should get involved. And you know, I'll just say this too, because I know like the the topic of unions comes up. I'm I'm not pro or anti-union. I'm I'm neutral on the concept of unions. I but I think workers being able to organize, advocate for their needs can make sense. Now, whether or not that's reasonable, whether or not they're uh, advocating for their needs and their share of profits based on a private organization that's generating value for folks or their government workers does make a difference. All right. So thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. When we come back, we'll we'll dive into this a bit more. Give us a call if you want to participate in show, 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Talk to you soon. Free solution on the WYSL stations. All right. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson today. Thanks so much for joining us here on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. We're live on WYSL until 2 p.m. Give us a call if you want to participate in the show. 585-346-3000. It's 585-346-3000. And leave your comments online as well. Free Solution Facebook page. Free Solution YouTube channel. Uh, the Kevin Wilson page and the Kevin Wilson Twitter, wherever you're listening today. Again, thank you for being here. And uh, we'll get to a couple of these comments, and I'll kind of continue on where we were. We're talking about the uh, the the deal that Congress ended up passing, uh, kind of forcing a, a contract between uh, rail workers who are considering going on strike and uh, the, the rail companies that they worked for. And uh, essentially the, the deal forces everyone to agree to those terms. <clears throat> and striking it becomes illegal. And so we'll get to a couple of these comments. Um, and Pay says, uh, the, you know, the, shouldn't they give rail workers what they want? Why pay into a union at all? I mean, unions are, it, it, they're there to like collectively organize and advocate, right? Like that's like at core what like a union is. It's it's a say, okay, we're more powerful if we, all of us agree that like we want this one thing and we're going to try to get that one thing for everybody because if you know we are united in this and we can threaten to withhold our labor then your entire company grinds to a halt rather than like one individual person who could be replaced right like that's again i, I get the idea of unions again whether or not i agree with any individual union kind of depends on where they asking for and are they doing well by their workers uh, how involved in politics are they Right, like if they're using you know dues, uh, member dues to fund candidates, I don't like. Yeah, I'm gonna be critical of that. And are they trying to get a share of profits they have contributed to by adding value to society? Right, are they providing a valuable service to folks, or are they trying to get 
not not profits, not money voluntarily given to an organization, but taxpayer money extracted from us, uh, sometimes against our against our will. Are they trying to get a greater share of the plunder? Well, if they're doing that, well, I'm probably going to be more critical of that, right? Um, and 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 the patricia goes on to say, you know, where they ask for something crazy like a puppy for every kid, or they ask for things they needed to survive, and that's right. It's subjective, right? It's uh, you know, they're they're asking for. Uh, pay raise. They're asking for uh, more sick days. Uh, there, there was an amendment to to one of the bills that didn't end up getting sixty votes. That would have given them uh, fifteen paid sick days. As I understand it, some of the the sticking points about that they ended up with no sick days. But some of the sticking points about that were, you know, how much notice did you have to give for PTO? Whether or not you could get sick days at all, which. You know, in a, in a post-COVID era, usually a lot of companies are allowing more flexibility in sick days because they want to reduce the chances that a big chunk of their workforce is going to be wiped out with an illness. So you try to be generous about that stuff whenever possible, but it isn't always possible. And again, whether or not it's reasonable is it depends on your perspective. It seems reasonable to me, but uh, my, my my kind of point about it, like cause I don't I don't know what is the optimal position for either side in this. I don't know enough about this stuff. And neither do members of Congress necessarily. And I know they have aides who are talking about it, researching it, trying to give uh, members uh, the best position possible. Uh, and you have, of, of course, uh, the, the whole bureaucracy related uh, around the White House who's doing the same thing. And Everyone has competing interests, right? The rail companies, they, they want to make profits. I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I think that having uh, a company that generates profit if you're providing value to folks, which they are by creating companies that transport goods from one place to another, that, that's what they want to do. That's what companies are going to do. That's fine. But in order to make that profit, they need to, A, provide value, not just uh, rent-seeking, but, but actual value to folks. And then, B, they need to, you know, organize the company in a way that brings talented workers to be able to carry out the services necessary to drive value, right? And the, the value of that labor that they need to pay is somewhat subjective and variable, depends on location, all this stuff, right? So they're asking for more pay too. They got that. that in the forced contract, they, they end up uh, getting an increase in pay, the, the workers did. Uh, and okay, you know, and that's great. Again, eight, eight of 12 unions agree to that and they... Uh, they they are going to get some increase in pay plus like a thousand dollar bonus every year for like five years twenty four percent compounded pay increase over five years. Okay, you know that's fine. But my point about like not really knowing like what's in the best interest of either side and what's worth risking your job for and what's worth risking your profits for uh, is that the government doesn't necessarily know what's optimal here either. Again, what their interest is is they're they're concerned about the entire economy, right? If if they go on strike, if they shut down, how does that impact prices everywhere else? How does that affect the day-to-day living conditions of you and me? If I'm taking them on good faith, that's that's what they say is they say, okay, if this shuts down, this is going to cost you, you the listeners, me, the, the person who's out there participating in the economy more for groceries. Your stuff might not show up. You know, it's like – like like thirty percent of our goods, I think by uh, by weight, according to this Reuters story, are, are transported by rail. You know, what, how does that impact gas? If places aren't able to get gas, or it becomes more expensive to get gas, how does all that stuff affect us? If, if I'm taking this on good faith, government does have an interest in doing that. But do they know what those 
conditions ought to be for those workers. I don't know. I don't know that the government ought to get involved in this stuff in almost any situation. Sounds like we have a call, though. Lorraine from Rochester. Lorraine, welcome to A Free Solution. Thank you so much. We appreciate more than you know shows like yours that aren't very many. Um, I have an idea that's important, I think. Information is probably a big clue to our our, um, chaos today and our um, threats for the future. And I think there should be a tutorial for Congress and for all state governments about what can be done in each instance. Like the first time I hear the Green New Deal. Well, you're, you're cutting out a little bit. It sounds like it's a, it's a bit muffled, so I, I didn't catch some of that. So if you wouldn't mind repeating that so the uh, me and the listeners can, can hear your point. Can you hear me now? Uh, yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, I think there should be a tutorial for Congress and for state governments of things like what the Green New Deal really says and what we should do against it, like Eric Schmidt did. Has not, well, he did that not against so much the Green New Deal, but against um, ESG. Mm-hmm. And and there should be information um, almost, <laughs> I don't know how, but forced upon people like a, a big opportunity for them to realize what the threats are and what little things and big things can be done against it. Yeah, you know, I'll say this like. You can bring a horse to water, you can't make them drink. You, you, could, you could try right. to educate members of Congress on this stuff all you want. Doesn't mean that it's going to get absorbed or they'll agree. You know, like I, I understand the sentiment there. Like, hey, this is what you're able to do as Congress. Hey, this is what actually is going on with the bills. And there are so many organizations trying to do that. It's just a matter right. of will they actually listen? <laughs> you know, right. that, that, that's the whole thing. So I, I don't know how to make them listen, uh, Lorraine. Well, there may be some more thought on that. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for the call. Um, and okay. again, educa- educating members of Congress is an important thing. And that's something that like us as citizens have to do, right? Like that's something that like you can do. You can call your member of Congress. You're probably going to talk to, you know, a, you know, a staff assistant or an intern, but you can call, you can write a letter. Uh, sometimes you'll get a thoughtful response. Sometimes you'll get a less than thoughtful canned response on stuff, uh, you know, at, at town halls and other, like you, you have to, we the citizens have to take the responsibility to try to educate members of Congress and, and hope them hope that they'll see our view uh, in, in absence of like other methods of being able to do that. Right. Like it, elections are obviously one tool. Like if members of Congress aren't being reasonable, they just disagree with you or whatever the case may be. Uh, obviously, elections are a tool for that. Courts can be a tool for stuff. And then education is part of that. Right. I, we we can't force them to agree to our viewpoints, but. We can be reasonable, and if uh, we're not reasonable, we can always exercise the threat of uh, elections and, and and voting them out. And and those are the, the biggest tools that we have in, in our republic is is those two things. So yeah, I'd love for Congress to do that. I'd love for Congress to be uh, acting within the constitutional bounds of their positions whenever creating legislation. And and I would love the Biden administration to do that too, right? You know, we didn't talk about student loan things, but that was to me. Clearly not constitutional, clearly not something that is appropriate or allowed under law. They, they stretched the, the logic of, of the uh, laws, rules, and regulations that they had to, to do that thing. And, and courts agreed, and it's probably going to go up to Supreme Court now. And, you know, again, rolling back to the role of government uh, in, in this situation, you know, we should talk about it. should the government be involved in labor disputes just because they take place across state lines? And, and 
that's again that's a question we we have a long history of doing that so like legally the answer is probably yes but you know should they is that appropriate uh that's i think that's a question worth asking too thanks again for joining us here on a free solution always appreciate the calls uh thanks again lorraine for calling in uh give us a call 585-346-3000 if you want to participate in the show or leave your comments online we'll be back in just a few minutes talk to you soon Why do businesses choose to move their website from Wix and Squarespace to Simple Tech Innovations? Maybe it's their excellent customer service or attention to detail. Maybe it's their ability to give a truly customized solution. Or perhaps they just like the fact that Simple Tech is a local small business that builds great relationships with its clients. Whatever the reason may be, you can rest assured knowing that the local team at Simple Tech has your best interest in mind when building or updating your website there hands-on and love helping customers achieve their goals but don't take my word for it they've won the best in rochester eight years in a row and have an a-plus better business bureau rating if your website doesn't match your dreams or isn't achieving your goals give the professionals at simple tech innovations a call today for a consultation at 585-200-3182 that's 585-200-3182 simple tech innovations are you interested in indoor target shooting? Or do you know someone interested in indoor target shooting? The Rochester Rifle Club has an indoor range in Brighton, New York. Shooting is with 22 caliber rifles, air guns, and pistols with reduced loads. We have leagues and open shooting times. For more information or for a membership application, go to our website at rochesterrifleclub.org. That's rochesterrifleclub.org. Ooh, just what I needed, a mug. This time of year, what do you give? When it's your extra concert, game, or special event tickets to Vet Ticks, you're giving our nation's brave service members and veterans an amazing experience. Give something to those who gave. Vettex. For more information on how you can make a difference right now or to become a Vettexer, go to Vettex.org. A free solution on the WYSL stations. Welcome back to A Free Solution. I'm Kevin Wilson, your host for today. Thanks again for joining us here on this wonderful Wednesday afternoon. Got one more segment left, just a few more minutes. Uh, Live here on WYSL till 2 p.m. Give us a call at 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Or leave your comments online. Free Solution Facebook page, Free Solution YouTube channel, Kevin Wilson page, Kevin Wilson Twitter, wherever you are. Thank you for being here. And uh, we'll, we'll get to, to one more comment from uh, uh, Patty from uh, uh, YouTube. who says, you know, when I was in school 45 years ago, we did have courses in government. My kids are required to go to school and study meetings isn't enough. We, the people, understand less and less how it all works. Again, it, courses in government, it it depends on how you're um, – what, what's being taught about that, right, and, and what that means. You know, so – the uh, the the government. I had to take one of those two in high school. So I was in high school, I graduated two thousand eight. Uh, we had to take a participate in government, or you know, pig as we called it. Uh, you, you had to take that course, and it was supposed to teach you about the Constitution uh, and how our republic works, how Congress works, etc. I generally enjoyed the class, but I remember like one of the things uh, we got starting out 
And again, this isn't a knock against the teacher necessarily who I liked, but this when the things we got were like, here's all the stuff that would happen if the federal government went away tomorrow. Here's all the stuff that would go wrong. Just just a pure propaganda piece. Like, and I remember one of the things on there was how like you know we couldn't have airplanes because without the FAA, you know, how would we control like how. Uh, flights come in and how would we control like the the safety of runways and blah 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 see if we didn't have federal government we wouldn't be able to fly as if like the government is the only one who does that and as if there weren't uh, other countries where they don't have a federally run equivalent of the FAA they have um, it, like in, in Canada and parts of Europe are like this too where, it, where it's managed by airports and like consortiums of like uh, airlines to manage the the, the quality and standards of runways, air traffic control, and other things. Like, we don't need to do that. Um, so, yeah, like, you can teach people about government, but, A, what what, what you get taught matters. Again, my my course, uh, I was much more conservative than, than libertarian at the time, but like, didn't particularly appreciate even then, like, the... Here's here's the the federal government propaganda, and we wouldn't be able to do anything without the federal government nonsense. Um, and and then whether or not you absorb that information, and and what you do with it ten years down the line when you're applying it in a practical way, right? So it, it's tough. Again, education around this stuff is 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 a tricky issue. Um, and then again, getting members of Congress to listen to that and be constitutional uh, is a tricky issue too. You can you can say it all you want, but people evolve and and hear new ideas and. Once they get in the power, may decide these barriers that we that have been imposed upon us, you know, maybe hundreds of years ago, shouldn't apply in this situation because it's different, right? And so it's incumbent upon us to convince them that that does matter, that the rule of law matters, that limiting executive power matters, that uh, the the state should often stay out of our lives in these situations. And again, I I haven't seen anyone uh, comment or call in on this. You know whether or not it was necessary or appropriate for the government to get involved in the strike situation. So I haven't seen any of those yet, but uh, I'm I'm sure they're they're out there. And again, I, I generally fall on the line of no, the the state probably shouldn't be involved in these types of situations, uh, and they should probably stay out because they don't know what is best for the signs of this. But if you if you disagree with that, if you think that the government should have gotten involved in this, that it had enough of an economic impact that they needed to intervene in this situation, we'd love to hear from you. 585-346-3000. That's 585-346-3000. Or leave your comments online. Uh, just in most in most situations, right, the, the, the state doesn't understand what we want, what we need. And especially as you get down to the lower levels. Again, I, I understand the argument for this situation because of its impact on the economy. But there are so many situations where the state does get involved in labor conflicts. Uh, and, you know, there's legitimate points to be had on either side. And, and workers should have the right to withhold their labor, even collectively, in situations where they feel that working conditions are unfair and inappropriate. And so I... Despite me being a libertarian, I'm generally pro-union when when it's appropriate in some situations. Again, that's not the best situation for everyone. I I, I like right to work laws in in a lot of cases too because you should be able to have a go at it as an individual. That might be the better situation. I like in some cases, you know, the the ability for people to be independent contractors. Sometimes that works well. Um, and if that's what you want to do, that should be your individual prerogative. You shouldn't be forced to join a union, nor should unions be prohibited. 
it should be on a case-by-case basis. Unions are just like corporations, just like governments, just collections of people with a shared goal. And you should be able to do that. You have freedom to assemble. That's your thing. You should be able to, to do some collective bargaining if you want to. And the, the more the state gets involved in this stuff, the more there are conflicts. And, and what the, the accusation is here is that the government has intervened on the side of rail workers not to protect the economy but to protect the profits of rail companies who are uh, supporting these politicians. Now, whether or not that's true in this case or any other case is, is again, something done on a case-by-case basis. But if you want to avoid that sort of accusation of unfairness, uh, then the state shouldn't be involved. And it, and it becomes a whole other thing where not only is there a a situation where it's difficult to strike and to lose your wages and, and your ability to earn a living in this situation absent the threat of government force, but that's what you have in this situation. There, there's a threat of government force if you take this action now because we've forced you to agree to these terms. There are consequences. There, there are threats. There are threats of violence from the state. If you take these consequences, fine, jail time, etc., that that could be a thing. And so, what ends up happening in this situation? I don't know. Again, eight, eight of twelve unions agreed to it, as the last I saw. Um, maybe nothing happens. Therefore, I mean, it, it's happened before where you know unions have done uh, wildcat strikes too, where the workers didn't agree with the union leadership and they decided to either strike anyway or do other tactics to to slow down their labor or disrupt the functioning of a company maybe that happens i, I don't know um and and then we'll see can they do they lose the trust of, of their leadership in this situation does it is it good enough for people to move ahead uh and then what does the government do if someone if these companies or if these uh workers decide that they don't agree to those terms how far is it willing to go to enforce those? And probably not as far as they did 100 years ago. Uh, the, the government um, in, in the 1800s, early 20th century, they, they would bring out the National Guard. There's, there's, uh, read about some of the, uh, the fights related to, to coal workers. And you know, usually you'll hear about the stuff in kind of more lefty histories. But uh, you know, it, it is an important thing. The government came in, and some of these, some of these coal towns were, were bad. They, they were really bad. They, they were uh, governments in and of themselves, just incredibly oppressive difficult situations for families to be able to survive, for people to be able to escape. It, it was a, a truly awful situation, and, and the government decided that in some of those situations, whether it's rail, coal, etc., that striking was so detrimental to the national economy that they would intervene, bring in uh, troops, and, and use violence. So they, would, they would shoot people in order to, to keep them uh, from striking, to keep them working. There's, there's actual battles that took place. Uh, in, in some of these these striking towns, uh, and so again, someone who's on on the the, the libertarian side of this, you, you you don't always hear about like advocacy for labor, but that that individual you know effort to fight uh, unfair situations matters, and whether or not the state's going to get involved in that fight between you and your company matters, because once you get the the heavy hand of the state involved, it's a different situation. And you know, should should the, the the state always intervene on that behalf of the workers? No, sometimes they're wrong, sometimes they are violent, sometimes they they are being unreasonable. I don't know. the 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 government should do what it can to to keep the peace. I get it, but uh, there's there's also a, a sense of of justice that can be violated. So, 
you know, I'm I'm still sorting out how how I feel about this whole thing. Uh, for for the most part, don't like the state getting involved. For the for most part, I think the demands of the workers are reasonable, and it is interesting to see like Biden, who is who always uh, touts himself as the most pro union guy, as yeah, I kind of on on the other side of this one, and. Some conservatives that are – I don't know if they're reacting to the fact that Biden is the one involved in this, if they would feel differently if this happened, uh, let's say, four years ago. If this happened under President Trump. Would, would everyone just flip? I, I get the feeling that that's how a lot of politics works now, right? Like if, if this were happening four years ago, uh, you know, uh, Joe Biden and the progressive Democrats would be just pounding the table about how Donald Trump, the, the greedy CEO, is uh, – Damaging the lives of workers, right? Could, could you see this flipped four years ago? Probably. Republicans now are criticizing Biden for this. I, I feel like that, that's how all of our politics work now. Just negative partisanship. That's, that is what it is. But you know, if you have other thoughts on this, again, leave your comments now. You only have a couple minutes left, uh, but leave your comments or, you know, I check the comments uh, on the videos afterwards or send us a message. Uh, of course, we, we do a show most Thursday now. Uh, me and Tim O'Connor, we do a live online show Thursday evenings. So make sure you check that out. Usually we start around 9 p.m. Took the last couple weeks off, but, but hopefully we're going to have another show this week. So make sure you tune in there. Thanks again for joining us here on A Free Solution. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, folks. Take care.